We've been in a, uh, in a talk over the past couple of weeks about God thoughts, and uh, we're going to continue that tonight. And uh, um, got a word before the announcements were done that, uh, um, that the Lord was speaking uh, to a good friend of mine and said that he was going to uh, bring some disruption in, in the routine tonight. And I believe that he's already done that. But she said this, there, there's more. God's going to do more in the room tonight. That there's people with hurting hearts that God wants to heal. And there's people that are desperately seeking peace. And God's going to impart peace tonight. So I believe that's going to manifest in, in the room before we're all done here. Um, let me talk to you tonight again about this God thoughts. But specifically what we mean is what are some of the implications that come if we come into an understanding that through the Holy Spirit, as new creations, anybody that said yes to Jesus and has made a decision to be empowered by the Holy Spirit ha- now has access to the very mind of Christ. The implications in that are way too many to talk about in a single evening. That's why we've been doing it over multiple weeks. But there's this thought that I want to impart to you tonight, and I feel that part of the interruption, uh, and especially with already some of the testimonies that have come uh, with the healing that's manifested, is the Lord dropped this phrase in my heart, and I want to share it with you, and, and uh, then I just, throughout this, this next little bit, I want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing in the room. But part of operating with the mind of Christ, and us being able to experience these God thoughts, these Holy Spirit-inspired thoughts. I've made a case already, and if you're new to the party, uh, you need to go back and listen to some of the other messages, and you're able to do that through getting our app, Victory Life Church app, or uh, if, you, if you have an iPhone and the little purple podcast app, you can type in Victory Life Church, and it'll pull up, uh, or you type Victor Life Durant, click on it, download it, and you'll have access to all the Wednesday night content. So those two ways, um, I always like to put that out uh, to the people so that you have the ability to stay current on, on what we're doing. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that we have the mind of Christ as believers. And if we have the mind of Christ, that means we have the mind of God, which means that we have the ability to think God thoughts. Heaven's inspired messages to our lives. We have access to knowledge that's outside of the everyday humanistic knowledge and wisdom that's confined to this to this natural this natural world i was getting to have um a lunch this week and uh i had a ministry opportunity with a friend of a friend and at one point in the conversation i started uh, getting this picture in my mind a god thought about this particular individual as a little boy going to a uh, a creek uh, and playing in the woods, and this was a place that he would often frequent and go to. And I was seeing this in my mind, and I was feeling the Lord telling me to talk to him about this because it was going to connect to uh, this this word that God wanted to speak into his life. And I saw him catching catching crawdads in the in the creek. Well, for whatever reason, I got excited and I started talking about the creek and I left out the crawdads. And while I was talking to him, he said, yes. He said, I used to go to this creek, look at and catch crawdads. And I kicked myself because I thought I should have said about the, the crawdads, but I got so excited. And anyway, there was this prophetic word uh, that came and, and it was just awesome to see the Father's touch and love 
in this young man's life. And, and while I was talking to him, he pulled out his phone and he had been scrolling to the pictures and he showed me a picture of him as a little kid with two crawdads in his, in his, in his hand. And, and, and I was sitting there and reflecting later in the day. And, and as I was thinking about that and how God moved in that, in that, in that situation and how restoration and healing and, and just an incredible breakthrough came into this awesome man of God's life, I thought, how incredible is it that God is literally watching us all the time and that God's been with us of every stage and journey in, in our life and God's been there with you and he's been there with the people that he's putting in your circle and, and how incredible is it that because of the mind of Christ, we have the opportunity when reaching out to people and sharing the love of God with people because of the mind of Christ and us having access to these God thoughts, this is what God dropped in my heart, we as Christians filled with the Holy Spirit have the ability to not just explain our faith but demonstrate our faith. See, the scripture talks about people that, that were worshiping God and talking about the, the Jewish leaders of the day that had a form of godliness, but that had denied the power thereof. The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus didn't go to Calvary's cross for you to live a powerless life. In fact, part of what Jesus did at the cross was giving you the ability to be washed and cleansed of the things that have kept you from interacting with the presence and power of God. That's called sin. And he, and he died and he spilled blood to cleanse you of old garments of sin and an old nature. But the beautiful thing is, is that whenever Jesus was resurrected and he talked with his disciples, he said, before I commission you to go do the work that's telling others about me, that's spreading the knowledge of my kingdom, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And he says, it's gonna be the Holy Spirit coming upon you. So what's awesome about Jesus is he took off the old clothes of sin and death and all these things that get in the way of us being able to interact with God's heart and God's mind. He cleanses us of that and, and the fragments of that and the experiences and wages of that sin, but he doesn't leave us naked, amen? He gives us new clothes. He literally clothes us in his Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing is that the book of Acts says that the same, that, that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit in power and he went about doing good and curing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Do you know that the Holy Spirit that was on Jesus is the Holy Spirit that's on you and I? The Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus with power to go about doing good and curing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. The Holy Spirit that was on Jesus that gave him the power and the knowledge to be able to sit with the woman at the well. And whenever she said, he said, are you married? And she said, no, I'm not. And the man I'm living with is not your husband. He had knowledge of the situation because he's God. But there's a thing you need to know about Jesus. Jesus came first to show us what God's really like so that we could finally have good theology, amen? It's simple. It just, people, we complicate it way too much. I talk to people that, you know, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, for today or died and passed away. Does God put sickness on you to teach you a lesson? All these disputes in the church world today, and, and I think it would be awesome if we just read the Gospels, <laughs> saw what Jesus did, then read Colossians that says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, 
And he's the expressed image of who God is. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. Read Hebrews that says, in many times, in many ways, in many places, God has spoken to us, but in this final time, he's chosen once and for all to speak to us through Jesus. And just look at the Gospels and say, if Jesus doesn't do it, God doesn't do it. Jesus is perfect theology. So this Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus, Jesus came to show us what God's really like. But here's the second thing Jesus did. Jesus came to show us what a human being living in right relationship with God is supposed to look like. Paul said that Jesus was the first in a long line of brothers and sisters. Jesus is the model. It's why you're called a Christ-ian, not a Paul-ian. Or a Zach-ian. Or a Lee-ian. Or a Dwayne Ian. Or a John G. Lake Ian. Or a Benny Hinn Ian. <laughs> You're called a Christ Ian, a Christian. You bear his name. The book of Galatians in chapter 2 in the, in the Passion Translation tells us that we're in a place of mystical union with Christ. When's the last time you allowed the God thought? to reawaken your senses that wants to speak to you about how one with Christ you are. What would change about your life if you believed that you were one with Jesus? What would change about your life? I can tell you everything. See, God has things on his mind that you don't have on your mind in the natural. You go to have lunch and you're thinking about the burger. Christ in you goes to lunch and he's ready to touch somebody's life. You go to Walmart to get eggs. Jesus in Walmart knows that there's about to be a word of encouragement that you're going to give the cashier. See, God sees things different than you do in the natural. And I told you in the first session that I believe that the most undervalued resource that Christians have access to is the mind of Christ and the most misunderstood member of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. But what happens is, is when we allow ourselves to not undervalue Christ's mind, learn to value it and learn to build relationship with the Holy Spirit that allows us to access it, I can tell you what starts happening. You stop having just explanations about what you believe and you start having demonstrations about what you believe. See, people in the world today, guys, because I don't know if you know this, but the whole point of being in here is so that we can do something out there. That's the whole point of this. If stuff's not happening out there, something's wrong in here. We come in here to get it together so that we can do it out there. And there's something wrong because this is what happens. Powerlessness in the church is excused through bad theology. Whenever I can't manifest, whenever I can't release the power that through the scripture, as Pastor Duane would say, you have to have help to miss it, what you have access to through the Holy Spirit, through the mind of Christ, through your union with him. Jesus in the book of John blew everybody's mind, even to this day, when he said, not only will you do the works that I do, but even greater works than these. Everybody knows the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Each gospel 
the synoptic ones, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, ends with some kind of a commission, okay? I'm a card-carrying charismatic, but don't worry, I'm also a card-carrying Methodist. I've been confirmed in the Methodist church. So whatever you want me to be, I can be, all right? Be all things to all people. Now, here's the beautiful thing that I love. There's a commission at the end of Mark that gets overlooked because you have to have God's mind to be able to fulfill it. This is what it says at the end of Mark. Listen to this. Jesus says this, verse 15, chapter 16. I'm excited, so I know I'm probably jumping around, but if you, if you knew how awesome Jesus was, you'd be excited too. So hopefully we'll all be excited by the end of the night. And he said to them, listen, listen to this. This is, this is a commission that we don't read a lot about because you can't do it by yourself. Are you following me? Listen. He said to them, go into all the world. Everybody say amen. amen. Say Durant, Durant, part of the world. So I should be going into it. Amen. Go into all the world, listen, and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What did he say? Preach the gospel. But he didn't say it's just going to be words. He didn't say you're going to have really great explanations and theology only. Jesus didn't die to just give you good explanations and good theology and be able to win debates. And be able to outsmart your friends. Jesus died to be able to cleanse you from sin. Save you from hell. Which is good news that everybody needs to know about. And he's given you power through the Holy Spirit. To prove that it's good news. Through the working of signs and wonders. Through the working of things that can only be made manifest through the Holy Spirit. Like somebody's knees being healed in the place tonight. Listen. Go into all the world. Everybody okay with that? Preach the gospels. Everybody okay with that? Did you know that Jesus didn't give this commission to just the ministry team? You know, these have been written down for all time because he knew that you and I were going to read this. Raise your hand if you believe you're a disciple of Jesus. Then this applies to you. Not just those guys a long time ago that are now dead. Go into all the world, listen, and preach the gospel. Make people believe and get them baptized. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. I got good news for you tonight. You've got authority over demons. But half the church is still trying to figure out whether or not demons are real. Let me just cut to the chase. They are, and they're wimps. And you can take care of them in Jesus' name. It's just like anything else. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean that it stops existing. Yeah, they're around, but you can do something about them. In my name, the cast out demons. Listen to this. They'll speak with new tongues. Man, that would have helped me a long time ago if somebody would have just read the Bible to me because that's the preacher's job, right? To read the Bible to you. You'll catch that later. They'll pick up serpents in their hands. Don't worry if you're here for the first time. We don't handle snakes. That's a little prophetic foreshadowing of a few different things. Serpents in that context um, is talking about demonic forces and just attacks. And there's actually a manifestation of that scripture whenever Paul gets bit by a serpent as he's going on this missions journey. And he gets bit by it and he shakes it off and he throws it into the fire. And everybody sits around waiting for him to die, all the natives on this island, because this is like the two-step snake. Two steps and you're dead. And he doesn't die and they start worshiping him as a god. He said, no, 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 no. And he has an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. 
So this was written down because it was fulfilled later to prove that there's no safer place to be than the will of God. They'll pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, they won't kill them. Also fulfilled by John, the beloved disciple. See, John tried to, they tried to, most scholars will tell you that they tried to kill John two times. One time by drinking poison, and the second time by actually lowering him into a vat of boiling oil. They're going to deep fry him. He was supernaturally delivered both times, and they got so tired of him because he's like a cockroach. They just couldn't kill him. So they exiled him on the island of Patmos, hoping that he would just die of starvation out there. John's the only disciple that we have history indicating that he died of natural causes. You'll drink deadly things and they won't hurt you. And then testify by the life. See, all God's word is supposed to be in the same fashion of Jesus. The word became flesh. All of God's word is supposed to become flesh even to this day. And it becomes flesh. It's made manifest in you and I. Because we don't have a faith, we don't have a gospel that we just talk about. We have a gospel that we can demonstrate through the power of the Holy Spirit. Having access to Christ's mind means that I don't just think about my faith in terms of the philosophical. I think about my faith in terms of the practical. And they drinking daily poison will not hurt them. Listen to this. They will lay hands on the sick. This is in red, by the way. So these are Jesus' words. Is Jesus a liar? No. no. So let me tell you the best way to read the Bible. Believe it's true. And every time that my experience doesn't line up with this, I go with this. Not my experience. Because God's not a liar. So he said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And if you really want to push it and say, well, pastor, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened, I can just tell it to you really simply. Real simply, I'd rather die in faith than live in doubt. Peace cake. So then the Lord Jesus, after he'd spoken this to them, was taken up into heaven. It's just like Jesus, right? And sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. In Romans, Paul says this. He says, I faithfully preached the gospel all the way from Lystra to Iconium. And he, said, he says this, I've, no, I've traveled about preaching the gospel from Lystra to Iconium. And he says this, with the confirmation of signs and wonders so that I have fully preached the gospel. Let me tell you the good news tonight. The gospel's not fully preached until signs follow it. The gospel's not fully preached... Until signs follow it. That's it. Christ's kingdom is not fully disclosed until it actually impacts somebody's life. If you've received Jesus and you've been filled with Holy Spirit power, put your hands out like this. I want you to look at these things. Look at these hands. All right? And this is what you need to know, that these hands are Christ's hands. These hands are Christ's hands. Look at your hands and say this, I'm loaded. You're so full of Holy Spirit power, you don't know what to do with all of it. Which is why we need community to help us grow and understand. Let me tell you the reality of this thing. 
is that if you have access to Christ's mind, and if the scripture in Galatians says that we're in this place of mystical union with him, and if Paul says that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, and the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And if Paul goes on to say that it's in Christ that we move and live and have our very being, if we live with an understanding that we're one with Jesus, let me ask you a serious question. If you believe that these hands are Christ's hands, okay, then I'm going to ask you this. Do you believe that if Jesus were to physically manifest in the room tonight and were to walk up to you and touch you, that nothing would happen? If you were here tonight and you were carrying some type of disease, and maybe you are, you're here tonight carrying some type of physical pain, and maybe you are, if Jesus were to physically manifest in the room tonight and walk up to you and touch you, do you believe that you would still have pain? Do you believe that you would still have that sickness? So my question is this. If you believe that these hands are Jesus' hands, it's impossible for you to lay hands on somebody, to speak a blessing over somebody, to move in somebody's life in the way of a blessing, and nothing happen. It doesn't always happen the way you think it should, and it always doesn't manifest right then. But I believe that if Jesus touched me, and even if I didn't feel anything in that moment, even if I didn't sense anything in that moment, it's impossible for the creator of the universe to physically put his hand on me and something not happen. Some residue not remain. Some impartation not take place. What would happen if you lived your life believing, you lived your very life believing? Fire? What did I do now? I started talking about fire. I mean, you're on fire, but that's... Can you smell it? I'm hot. Amen. Well, Serena said I was the most handsome man here tonight, so... All right, so let's do this. Let's do this. Just take a moment. Everybody be cool. Everything's all right. We're going to wait until we get some feedback. So here's the thing that I want to tell you. Here's the thing that I want to tell you. If you've got these hands, then it's impossible. It's impossible for you to touch something, a situation, a person, and something not be released. Why? Because these hands belong to Jesus. Because these hands belong to Jesus. Joyce, is this our interruption? (laughs) Father, we thank you just for grace in this place. We thank you for peace, Lord. We believe, God, that what you are unlocking and revealing to us in this place through the power of your Holy Spirit is great enough to threaten the power of the enemy. So, Father, we thank you for the angels that you've given charge over us. We thank you, Lord, that we will not fear, Lord, the arrow that flies by noonday, Father, or any destruction or disaster. We thank you, Lord, that as a people and as a company, we are protected, and that we walk in your amazing grace. And, Father, we know that the church 
the church, Father, is, is, is way more than we give it credit for. And we know and believe tonight, Father, that it's a night of power. We know and believe tonight, God, that you're helping your children step into a dimension of truth, a dimension of the reality of displaying the gospel fully and with great force. And Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy and your peace. Thank you for protecting us and preserving us as a people. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Everybody okay? All right. Good, good. Safety first. We got people looking into everything. As soon as they give me any kind of signal, we'll be good. and Make sure that the kids are okay and everything's all right. I'm just going to believe the devil's trying to mess with us because I'm preaching real good. All right. Everything okay so far, guys? Praise God. I told you earlier that powerlessness in the church often gets covered up with bad theology. People struggle for a long time in regards to God's will to heal, God's will to manifest his goodness into people's lives. And there's something just so simplistic about looking to Jesus. And if we have a revelation and understanding that where Christ is is right here on the inside of us, then first of all, we have someone extremely close to us that we can always look to. And we can have God's mind on any subject. What I love about Jesus is he finished his preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he's coming down and he's just proclaimed the gospel. He's proclaimed good news. He has talked about the kingdom of heaven and the way that things are going to be for the people of God. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers. And he talks about loving your enemy. And he talks about this new way of living, this gospel life that is kind of the, the standard that the people of the kingdom of God and how people in the kingdom of God are going to live and rule and reign and operate. He proclaims good news. And then on the way down from the mountain, we get this picture that Jesus just didn't have talk. He had power. He's coming down from the mountain after the best sermon that anybody's ever preached. And as he's coming down, a leper comes to him. And it's an interesting thing that happens. The leper comes to him and he says this. He says, Lord, I know if you will that you're able to make me whole, you're able to make me clean. And this interesting thing happens. Jesus doesn't say, well, you have leprosy because of your gambling problem. And you got sin in your life, so I can't touch you. Jesus doesn't say, well, because your parents did this, this, and this, this curse is on your family, and you gotta find out the names to seven demons and make sure that you break this chain and that chain and that you buy this book and that book and you go to this conference and that conference. Jesus looks at him and he doesn't say, well, God's put this on you to develop you in character because what God wants to do is he wants to bring out the best in you, so he puts the worst on you. So Jesus looks at him and he says this. The leper says, if you will, you have the ability to make me clean. And Jesus looks at him and he, and he does this. He doesn't say anything at all because he just had said a lot. He was a really good preacher. He knew him to be quiet. And he touched him. And he healed him. As soon as he touched him, he was healed. And Jesus said this, I do will. Be made whole. See, that to me is just good theology. That to me is just simple. That to me makes sense so that when somebody sits down with me that has been plagued, 
with anxiety or PTSD or inability to sleep or having night terrors or waking up with something demonic sitting on their chest and choking them, all the different things that you run into as, as a pastor. And Ian asked me or Pastor Lee, you run into a lot of things. That in that moment that I just don't have breathing techniques to offer them. I don't have some type of a ritual that they need to do before bedtime. I don't have a talisman for them to put under their pillow. I don't have a little wooden cross that I spit on and I say, you just carry this around with you and you'll be safe. I'm so thankful that in that moment, I can come into a place of awareness. I can come into a place of believing that I'm one with Christ. And I ask myself this question. We used to wear the bracelets. I don't know what happened. What would Jesus do? That's a great question to ask. The next some, some time somebody sick and oppressed of the devil ends up in your life. Not, not, not what should I, what, what, what breathing technique should I give them? What power of positive thought should I give them? But what would Jesus do? Because a lot of times we don't get results because we don't think from his mind. See, Jesus' mind is the determinant on what Jesus would do because it's the way that Jesus thinks. So Jesus, when the leper comes to him, doesn't say, do this, this, that, or the other. Jesus, in a moment, responds to the question. The guy had a hang-up, and it was deeper than leprosy. The hang-up was, what does God feel about me? Does God care? If God in the flesh is before me, and I have this thing going on in my life that's torturous, and in case you need more Bible, John 10, John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I came to give life in it more abundantly. If you just hang out with Jesus and actually read the Gospels, you figure out what Jesus does and what he doesn't do. So if it kills, steals, or destroys, time, finances, joy, health, if it robs you of anything, it's not God. Amen. That's just simple. Leprosy had driven this guy into a community of fellow lepers. He'd been rejected by society. Because he was unclean, he wasn't allowed to come to church, to the temple. His condition had ostracized him. Not only was his body sick, his soul was sick. His mind, his will, and his emotions. He was rejected, scorned. Every time he walked in public, he had to shout, unclean, unclean. Because if you touched him, you would be unclean. This amazing thing happens. One... Jesus displays what the perfect will of God is because the leper says, if you will, I know you can make me whole. Jesus touches him by that time and cultural standard, which would have made him unclean. But here's the beautiful thing about the mind of Christ. It doesn't get grossed out about yucky things. And it doesn't get impressed by really big problems. In fact, the mind of Christ is this much impressed with what the devil's doing. Jesus lives totally unimpressed by the devil. And he lives in a constant place of obedience to what the Father's doing, constantly. Okay, that's not just Jesus, because this is what happens in the church a lot of time. We talk about Jesus, and everybody in the church says, go, Jesus, it's your birthday. Go, Jesus. Jesus, you're so good. You just do your thing, Jesus. And Jesus, from the inside of you, says, I'm trying to, but you're not cooperating. Stop cheering me on and put your hands on somebody. Ask him if it's okay first. <laughs> stop, Jesus says, stop cheering me on and give the word of encouragement. Stop cheering me on. And the God thought about taking the casserole to the neighbor down the street isn't so that they can gain 50 pounds because casseroles are just fattening. Can I get an amen? 
It's so that you have an opportunity to find out that that person's spouse had just left the week before and they now intercede in prayer and the power of the Prince of Peace come over them and they have the best night of sleep they've ever had in, in six months and they wake up the next day refreshed and refueled and revitalized and say, man, something about your tater tot casserole was anointed because you prayed for me, I got this peace and when I ate the tater tot casserole, I woke up and I woke myself up speaking in tongues. Man, that's awesome. That itself isn't a true story, but a lot of parts of that story are true. <laughs> I have had people bring me tater tot casserole, and I have prayed for people, and they woke themselves up speaking in tongues. <laughs> Based on real events. <laughs> Just not so the names and the settings have been changed to protect the innocent, right? So, God thoughts. God thoughts. It's incredible. What if we believed... That through the mind of Christ, we don't just have a faith that we explain with words. But as Paul said, I haven't come to you just with eloquent words of human wisdom and understanding. But I've come to you with the Holy Spirit and a demonstration of power. What if Jesus really is alive? What if he's really living and breathing and flooding a fire-filled existence on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit? And what if... The mind of Christ on the inside of you has given you the capacity to see a situation the way that Jesus does. What if the mind of Christ has the ability to see a situation the way that Jesus does and respond accordingly? What if we have a faith because of the mind of Christ that's not just able to be explained? What if we have a faith that's able to be demonstrated? People talk about having good theology, and that's great. I think that we should. Jesus is perfect theology. People struggle with God's will to heal. People struggle with what happens in times of, of tragedy. And I love that there's another example from the Gospel of John, and Jesus' friend Lazarus is dead. And he goes, and actually he finds out he's sick, and he stays a few days longer than he should, and Lazarus dies, and words come back to him that Lazarus is dead, and Jesus said, no, he's just asleep and I'm gonna go wake him up. So he goes and Mary and Martha come out and meet him and Martha is an individual that's got good theology. I love it. She has good theology, can't argue with it. Jesus shows up and Martha comes out and says, Master, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, I love that. I just, I just like the way Jesus talks because he only, he, only, he only spits truth, you know what I'm saying? So he tells her, I'm gonna tell you the truth about something. Your brother will live again. And I love it. Sunday school answer from Martha. Good theology. Yes, Lord, he will live again in the resurrection of the dead. How many of you know that's good theology? But Jesus is perfect theology. I believe that a lot of times we hang on to the good and we miss the great. I believe sometimes we settle for the good so we've missed the perfect. I believe sometime we've allowed our Bible educated mind to try to trump what the Holy Spirit's longing to do through the mind of Christ. I, be I believe that sometimes we've allowed a mind that's been bombarded by disappointments and times that we haven't seen what we've been believing for now to hold it all in question. When I got news for you, if you've seen one miracle in your life, that means they happen. <laughs> and they have the ability to happen again. 
So I don't, I, I, how many of you believe that Lazarus is going to live in the day of resurrection? That's good theology. But Jesus in the middle of that was perfect theology. Martha had her mind. Jesus had his mind. He said, Brownie points to you for paying attention in the synagogue. Must have not been, uh, hang, which one was it that didn't believe in the resurrection? Pharisees or Sadducees? I can't remember. Sadducees. Didn't he must have been hanging out with Pharisees. Good job. He didn't believe in resurrection. That's good. Okay. Got your Bible, got your Bible right. But he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. And if anyone believes in me, even though he die, he will live. Amen. So what does Jesus do? Walks up to the tomb and he cries. Do you know why? Because Christ's mind is never a mind that you don't have the ability to relate to. See, we, we forget that Christ's mind has come very close to you. In fact, it's become a part of you. Which means that Jesus doesn't bypass your grief on the way to the miracle. Which means that Jesus isn't, isn't upset with your tears. Which means Jesus is able to be a big boy and fully embrace you in your disappointment. But he's asking for something. He's asking for you to get your mind on him. Get your eyes to him. See, Christ's mind is awesome. It's supernatural. It's heavenly. It's otherworldly. But it's so close to us that it's relatable. I got a word of knowledge about a guy about crawdad fishing that totally opened up the door to change his life. That's relatable, amen. But it's otherworldly. I love that it said that Jesus, anointed through the Holy Spirit, went about doing good and curing all those that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Something natural mixed with something super. That's the way that the supernatural marries. Doing good for people is a very natural thing. It could be holding the door open, could be taking somebody to lunch, could be bringing the tater tot casserole, but if I'm thinking through the mind of Christ, that simple act of good has supernatural implications. So Jesus weeps. It's amazing, it's incredible that Jesus has all power, knows exactly what's about to happen, but allows himself to be moved by the human condition. See, the mind of Christ isn't this goofy, ethereal thing. It's a very close, personal, real thing that's relatable because Jesus is relatable. Jesus is real. Jesus is always relevant. Every culture, every season, every generation. He cries and then he tells him to roll the stone away. And what does he say in a loud voice? Lazarus, come out. And out comes Lazarus. Martha had good theology. I believe there's a lot of people here tonight that got good theology. They've got good Bible knowledge. But however good your theology is, it's trumped whenever Jesus walks into the room. Because when he walks into a room, everything changes and all bets are off. What would happen if we congregated in such a way that we believed that every time we assemble, Christ is ready to be made manifest? What would happen if we believe that every lunch appointment, because we're there, Christ is ready to be made manifest? What would happen in your marriage that because you're there, Christ is able to be made manifest? What would happen with your children if you believed 
that the mind of Christ has come so very close to you and that you have the ability to think God thoughts and not just default to good theology or to breathing techniques or things that help you cope. What if the same Jesus that saved and healed and delivered and walked the shores of Galilee and healed the sick and raised the dead and opened the eyes of the blind, what if he, in some great mystery that's far too beautiful for words in this known tongue, has taken up residence in this temple? And he's saying, learn from me. Think the way I think. Man, I think that could change everything. I think that people would know that there's a God in Duran, Oklahoma that's alive and on the throne. I think people in your business would know that there's a God in your life that's real and that's on the throne. I think sometimes people have questions. Well, if God wills, he would touch me. That's really a question. What's God like and what God will do? There's people around you every day that are answering that question. If God's real, what would he do? What is he like? And I think Jesus gave us a model and an example is that he reached out and touched him first and he explained it later. (laughs) I think sometimes we want to default to trying to do the Holy Spirit's job, which is to renew somebody's mind when we need to stick with the program. Jesus said, tell them the good news and then prove it. What do you got going on in your life? Anything. I haven't been able to sleep in six weeks. Let me pray for you. You'll sleep tonight, the best you ever have in Jesus' name. Why? Because as soon as you do that, you put God on the line, not you on the line. Did you notice at the end of Mark, it said this, they boldly said the truth, which is preaching the gospel, and it said God moved on their behalf to confirm what they said. When you speak forth God's word, which is Jesus' thoughts, and Jesus' promises, God says, it's showtime. Be okay telling people that God's going to show up. Be okay telling people that God is going to show up. And watch him show up. Watch him be released. Watch him change people's lives. Jesus is good. He's beautiful. Why don't you stand? Jesus wants us to move into alignment with his mind. Ministry teams, if you come. If you're here tonight and you say, man, I just, I need a touch from the Lord. We've got a group of people here tonight that are ready to reach out and to touch you, to release the power of Christ and gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to you to bless you to give you something to respond to 
You can come and you can receive that ministry from the ministry team. But I also encourage you to know and believe that Jesus is able to meet you right where you are. Jesus is able to move in your life. And say, God, I just don't know what your will is. Let him touch you and find out. Father, I thank you for these amazing people here tonight. I thank you, Lord, that there's no attack of the enemy that's able to rob us of our promise in you. There's no movement of enemy force that's able to keep us from moving in the power that you've died to give us. Not to make our name great, God, but to make your name great in the earth. Father, I believe that all across this room tonight that you're touching people's lives. Father, I believe that you have glorified your name through Jesus. And I believe tonight, Father, that you're bringing your glory into people's bodies, into people's minds, into people's homes, into people's jobs. We expect to operate under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to not just offer explanations but to move in demonstrations in this day and time. Father, we live in the midst of a culture and a generation that mocks the things of God. Father, I pray that a powerless church not contribute to the darkness of this age. But Father, that there be people all across this world and that we would join arms with our brothers and sisters that believe that Jesus is alive. He's on the move and he's still in the business of bringing restoration to people's lives. We consecrate our hands for your work. We consecrate our lips for your service. We thank you that your mind would work in tandem with ours. The two would become one. She'd open up her eyes to see how one we are with you. And that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would empower us to release your grace into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, let's just give God praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would, uh, just uh, get your kids. Let's honor the kids' workers. And if you need ministry, come in and be ministered to as a, as a family. You can bring your kids in here. and Altars are open. You can come. You can come. If you're, if you're here tonight, you are dismissed. I just I want, to, I want to give this. You're okay if you need to go. I'm sensing this really strongly. There's something with uh, with a really bad a really bad stiffness in the neck, a really bad stiffness in the neck that's limited your your mobility, um, and it's something that you've been dealing with for a while. If that's you, could you come down here? I want to pray for you. Just come down if you've been having a real bad stiffness in the neck that's been limiting your mobility.